Welcome to foreverfit.tv, your online source for fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle. Hey, welcome listeners to your favorite health and fitness podcast, foreverfit.tv. This is a weekly show dedicated to bringing you the best advice to help you get in the best shape of your life. I'm Nicola Riley, a personal trainer, nutrition, and lifestyle coach, and joining me today is Sally Fallone. Sally is the co-founder and president of the Western A. Price Foundation, author of Nourishing Traditions, Eat Fat, Lose Fat, and has filled me with the knowledge throughout all the articles throughout that Western A. Price website. This is a website that is an absolute goldmine of information, and Sally's, in, in my eyes, is the traditional nutrition queen, and it's a huge privilege to have you on the show. Welcome, Sally. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, why don't you start by telling the listeners a little bit about the Western A. Price Foundation and how you got involved? Okay, the Weston A. Price Foundation is named after a nutrition researcher named Weston Price who traveled the world in the 30s and the 40s trying to answer the question, what is a healthy diet? And he found 14 healthy populations uh, as evidenced by their beautiful teeth, absence, uh, freedom from tooth decay, and freedom from dental deformities. And that means that all their teeth were straight. And by the way, he did visit New Zealand and Australia uh, in those journeys. He wrote up his findings in a book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. We've named our foundation after him, and we promote the uh, discoveries that he found about traditional diets, plus all all the research, good unbiased research on nutrition. We like to say that we show the scientific validation of traditional food ways. So we started the Weston A. Price Foundation in 1999. It's still going strong with over 16,000 members. We publish a quarterly magazine. We publish a shopping guide, lots of educational materials, and we have chapter leaders all over the world, over six, almost 600 chapters, uh, helping people find the kinds of grass-based and non-toxic animal products that we recommend, including raw milk. And we have a number of chapters in New Zealand, as a matter of fact. So uh, we also put on a a yearly conference. So that's the Weston A. Price Foundation. Our website is westonaprice.org. That's W-E-S-T-O-N-A-P-R-I-C-E dot org. And as you say, it is a gold mine of information. Everything we've ever published in our journal is on the website. Great. Well, um, so why why is teeth something that's so important to be looked at with health? Like why would he be coming into New Zealand and looking at the traditional diets in relation to your teeth? Well, he was looking for people who were still eating their traditional foods, who hadn't started eating Western foods, because the minute these people started eating what he called the foods of commerce, the displacing foods of modern commerce, uh, they developed tooth decay, and then in the next generation, their faces were more narrow, they had crowded and crooked teeth, and all sorts of health problems, starting with tuberculosis, but all sorts of health problems, including difficulty giving birth to children, whereas that was very easy among the traditional people. So he had heard that there were groups of Maoris that uh, still were eating their traditional diet, and he found them and took photographs of them. He counted cavities, and he said that the Maori were one of the most physically perfect Uh, races on the face of the planet as long as they were eating their traditional diet which was of course very high in seafood 
they had uh, the kumra for their carbohydrate foods. They had the pig, uh, which was a very important part of their diet, and then various types of plant foods. Wow. So um, conventional nutrition is quite different to the work of Dr. Price. Can you explain what the differences are there? Yes. Good question. So conventional nutrition today warns people not to eat a lot of animal foods and particularly animal fats. They warn us against nutrient-dense foods like organ meats, cod liver oil, raw milk, butter, egg yolks, liver, all the uh, and and fish eggs and shellfish all the really nutrient dense foods that these traditional peoples all over the world valued as being critical especially for having healthy babies our government demonizes and people turn away from these foods most people think that animal fats are bad for you we go to great pains to show that animal fats are not only good for you but Uh, really the basis of any healthy diet. They have to be there for your diet to be healthy for you. So what do um, do you think is the the major problem with nutrition today? Yeah, uh, the the major problem with nutrition today is that it's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The advice they're giving is just completely wrong in almost every respect. And that's because it's been taken over by the food processing industry. Uh, They make a lot more money if you use vegetable oils and their processed foods, and they basically spend billions in advertising, demonizing their competition. What is the competition to the um, food processing industry? It's real food that you cook yourself. Butter and lard are the competitions to uh, vegetable shortenings, uh, spreads, and, and margarine and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, they they don't want you to go back to eating real food, so they demonize it. They make you think that it's bad for you. Yeah. Uh, let me just give you one example. Uh, everyone thinks that fiber is great. Yeah. And whole, whole grains are great. Yeah, I love that. And, and the way that the fiber is in these processed foods is actually very damaging. And the way the whole grains are prepared as breakfast cereals and granola and stuff is it, just like razor blades to your gut. And this is why we're seeing so many um, digestive problems today. It's one of the reasons. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I have a lot of clients who, are, you know, they're looking for the weight loss. So what is, it something, what is your advice to someone who's, you know, wanting to burn body fat and why is it important that they need to be eating fat to losing fats like your book that you've written? Well, fats such as animal fats like butter full of vitamin A and iodine and then coconut oil which is full of medium chain triglycerides, these nutrients support thyroid function. So they help your thyroid work better. And so, you know, there's a third part of this equation besides calories in, exercise, and, and that third part is how fat, how well your internal uh, heater burns, I guess you would put it like that. And so animal fats and coconut oil supply uh, what you need to have your uh, metabolism good and robust and good high temperature. You know, you want your temperature around 98.6 degrees. Um, the, um, 
the other thing about these fats is that they're satisfying. And so when you eat a meal that has these fats in it, you get full, your appetite is satiated, and you don't feel like any more. And so it is easy to limit what you eat because you just don't want to eat anymore, not because you're using willpower. Uh, Nicola, I will say this. Our diets, our suggestions will not make you really thin because it's not healthy for people to be really thin. Yeah, make you fat but they will make you the right size for you yeah not necessarily the size in the advertisements yeah i mean and that's the thing it's getting across is that people need uh, achieving optimal health for them and and we need fat to do that actually when you look at insurance death rates and even in many of the studies they find that the healthiest weight is actually a higher weight than what they tell us it should be even especially as people get older if people don't especially women if they don't gain a little weight as they get older they get very frail and elderly people should be hardy and robust yeah so um, we're going to the opposite end of that. I get a lot of questions about sports nutrition, in particular for children. So what would your advice be for parents with aspiring athletes at home training hard, you know, like they're confused with conventional nutrition and what's been told to them in the schools, but they, you know, what sort of advice would you have for them? Well, the most important thing for these athletes is, again, a nutrient-dense diet with plenty of emphasis on the fats. Um, a lot of coconut oil in the diet would be great. Uh, they should have liver a couple times a week, lots of butter. They should be taking cod liver oil because exercise depletes vitamin A. And we get very, very little vitamin A in the standard Western diet today. I think it's very important to look at what the children are drinking. Obviously, you don't want them to be drinking sodas, but just drinking water is not good for the athlete either because they can get very depleted. We recommend the uh, lacto-fermented beverages, homemade sodas that are brewed. They're not alcoholic, but they are uh, brewed beverage, like your old-fashioned ginger beer or, or something called kombucha, which is now very popular in the United States. Yeah. Uh, um, you've mentioned already as well about the um, vitamins A, D, and K, and these are in really high levels in traditional foods. Where do we get them from? Yes. And why is this such an issue with the modern diet? Okay. So we get – so just to back up a little bit, Dr. Price measured he, – he did analyses of the diets of these healthy people all over the world. Now, the diets were very different. The diet of the Eskimos is going to be different from the diet in the Swiss Alps, and it's going to be different from the diet in the South Seas. But what he did find was that these diets were very high in minerals and particularly high in three vitamins that we call the fat-soluble activators. These are vitamins A, D, and K. Uh, levels were 10 times higher in the traditional diet than in the um, modernized diet. And so where do we get these vitamins? Well, we get vitamin A from foods like liver, the fats of grass-fed animals like butter, egg yolks. We get vitamin A from certain types of seafood. We get vitamin A from cod liver oil. Now, does this sound familiar? It's the same foods that are being demonized everywhere. Vitamin D we get from shellfish, uh, fish, uh, foods like shrimp. We get it from uh, butter and egg yolks from grass-fed animals. We get vitamin D from certain oils organ meats, and from cod liver oil. Uh, all these are demonized foods. And vitamin K is the really interesting one. 
which we get from these same foods, the fats of grass-fed animals. Cheese is very high in vitamin K. And certain types of fermented food like sauerkraut will also provide vitamin K. And but I mean, butter is one of those big ones that you've mentioned quite a lot. So why is this the perfect fat for us to be consuming? Well, it's the it's the fat that's designed for uh, warm-blooded animals. Uh, butter from grass-fed animals will provide us with vitamins A, D, and K. It provides us with lots of minerals. It's a very good source of zinc of, um, of vitamin E. A very good source of iodine. And it has a really nice fatty acid profile. It's a very stable fat, and it contains about 11% of uh, medium-chain triglycerides, which are very helpful for weight loss. Ghee is something that's quite similar as well. Like, so is, What's the difference between butter and ghee? And if someone can't tolerate the dairy, should they be consuming ghee? Right. So ghee is butter with all the milk solids taken out. And if you're one of these people who's very sensitive to dairy foods, then you would want to use ghee rather than butter. And you'd still get the same benefits. Okay. Um, well, carrying on with the dairy, what, um, why is it that some people can tolerate past, can't tolerate pasteurized milk, but they could drink raw milk? Like, What's the difference between the two? Okay, so uh, when you when you heat milk, the, the proteins in milk are very fragile. <clears throat> in raw milk, your body recognizes these as proteins that are familiar, that it can use. And once you pasteurize, these proteins become warped and distorted, and the body says, oh, these are foreign proteins, and I need to mount an immune response. So the proteins become very allergenic when you pasteurize. And it's interesting the market for fluid milk in the in the United States is declining at one to three percent per year. It has done so relentlessly for thirty years. Uh, this is a food that fewer and fewer people can actually tolerate. So uh, the industry really does have a problem. Uh, it knows that its milk is inedible or undrinkable, <laughs> um, but they don't want to go to raw milk because then they wouldn't have control anymore. The farmers would be able to sell directly. So why what is it why is pasteurization you know used and what's um, why is it so common? Well, it's it's a complicated story. I mean, there were plenty of good intentions with the pasteurization movement. People who thought, well, this way we can have uh, milk at a less expensive price and we know it's safe. Uh, but there were some ulterior motives such as the actual pasteurizers. They thought that milk was pasteurizing milk was going to be great because it would allow them to get control of this whole industry. Uh, the myth that pasteurized milk is safer persists to this day, and it's really ironic because the only deaths from milk in the past 40 years have been from pasteurized milk, and there have been quite a few of them. There have been no deaths from raw milk. Um, a lot, what's, um, along with the questions about, you know, the dairy and things comes protein powders. So what are your thoughts on? Okay. So I talked about how important vitamin A is and the quickest way to deplete your body of vitamin A is to eat a lot of protein. So that would be lean meat, egg whites without the yolks, um, skim milk or protein powders. And they really are very dangerous. I can't tell you how many people have told me after they got on these protein powders that they developed an autoimmune disease, um, 
some kind of liver problem or even cancer. And that's exactly what you would expect because the protein powders deplete vitamin A. And, you know, the thing is in the Western diet, protein is not the problem in the Western diet. We have plenty of meat and eggs and cheese and milk in our diets, and we do not need to be taking in more protein. The, the really uh, critical thing in our diet is to get uh, good quality fats. Right. So how much protein can we eat? Is this something, you know, something we need to be watching out for? Yeah, well, it should be 15 to 20% of your diet by calories, and that means you can have some meat at every meal. I think it's sort of hard to say how much, but if you eat your meat with the fat, so if you eat your steak with the fat, you'll eat the right amount of meat. Yeah. You'll, you'll know when you've had enough meat. Yeah. Uh, same with eggs. Eat the whole egg. In fact, we put extra yolks in our scrambled eggs. If you consume dairy products, they should always be whole dairy products, full-fat dairy products. So eat the foods the way they come in nature, and you really won't go wrong. Yeah. Why do we need saturated fats, like with, especially with people with autoimmune disease issues and inflammation? Well, saturated fat is the kind of fat that your body wants and needs. Um, all your cell membranes need to be at least 50% saturated. The lungs can't work unless the surfactant in the lungs is 100% saturated. Kidneys can't work. Uh, you can't put calcium down in the bones without saturated fat. I mean, you need saturated fat for everything in the body. And if you don't eat saturated fat, two things are going to happen. First of all, you're going to crave carbohydrates because your body will can make saturated fat out of carbohydrates. Uh, but secondly, you'll be missing the vitamins and the other nutrients that come with the saturated fats. Yeah. And so going on to um, the topic you kind of discussed before with, with grains, um, why, how, how do people eat grains if they want to consume them? Say, for example, porridge. How is somebody going to go about having porridge for breakfast? Okay. So one of the things the Weston A. Price Foundation does is look at how peoples all over the world prepare their foods. You there? Yep. Oh, okay. You've disappeared. Hang on. Let's look at how people all over the world prepare their foods. And one of the themes that we find wherever you go in the world where people eat grains, they eat them only after a very careful period of preparation that involves either soaking in an acidic medium or the sourdough bread process, the true sourdough bread. Uh, This amounts to a type of fermentation which breaks down all the irritating components in the grains. There's a lot of things in grains that block protein digestion, block block mineral absorption. Uh, There are... Uh, lectins, for example, which are very irritating to the gastrointestinal tract. All these are, and gluten as well, all these are neutralized by the proper preparation techniques. So, for example, if you would like to have porridge for breakfast, we suggest that you soak it overnight in warm, slightly acidic water. So that would be water with a little bit of lemon juice or vinegar added. The bread that you eat should be a true sourdough. That means a long, slow fermentation of the flour uh, before it is cooked. And these processes make 
the grain, turn the grains from something that is toxic and could be harmful into something that's truly nourishing and life-supporting. And as I said, we find this all over the world. And even the animals who eat grains, you may say, well, they don't do this. But yes, they do because they have extra stomachs. And in those extra stomachs, they have special microbial life that ferments the grains once again. Yeah. And I mean, it's really important that Pete, that they, they prepare these themselves, isn't it? Because the mainstream grains and the um, something that may be called sourdough on a shelf may not be a traditional it, it, Well, uh, see, we, we, we do a shopping guide in the United States where we, for example, list all the true sourdough breads that are available. But let's just I just give you an example. A recipe from my book, Nourishing Tradition, is for sourdough pancakes. Uh, you buy the wheat berries, you grind them fresh into a flour, and you soak them overnight in equal parts of a good quality yogurt. And that really hydrates the flour and neutralizes the anti-nutrients. And the next day, you uh, add your beaten eggs and... Uh, baking soda, and so forth. Now, it's interesting because if you make pancakes out of whole grain flour and you don't soak it, they will be so, they'll be like a rock in your stomach. They'll be so heavy. But these pancakes are as light as they can be. You can't believe they're whole grains. It's, you sort of think you're eating white flour. Yeah. Sounds nice. <laughs> mm. Yeah, those pancakes are a very successful a recipe in my book. And then you can make tiny, thin little pancakes and put them in the oven, let them dry out. We call them crispy pancakes. And they make a beautiful cracker or even like a cookie. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, raw food is a really hot topic at the moment. Is this something that we should be cl- including more into our diets? And like, did traditional cultures, um, can you explain how traditional cultures cooked and Okay, well, all traditional cultures had some raw animal foods in their diet, either raw milk, raw cheese, raw fish, raw shellfish, raw meat. And we highly recommend that you include some raw animal food in your diet. It doesn't all have to be raw. But Now, as for uh, vegetables, uh, most vegetables should be cooked. They're very high in fiber, and by cooking, you break down the cell walls of the, the cellulose, and you actually release or liberate the nutrients that are in these vegetables. Now, there are very tender vegetables that we use in salads. Uh, that's fine for most people. Not everybody can handle raw food. If you have a very sensitive digestive tract, eating raw food is going to be a problem. But we're we're definitely not all raw. This all raw movement is based on the false premise that the man shouldn't cook his food because animals don't cook their food. Well, we're not animals. And in fact, all traditional cultures cook some or most of their food. Even in the South Seas where they didn't have to build a fire for warmth, they built a fire every day for cooking. Yeah. I mean, fermentation is another way as well, isn't it? It's, it's yes. lost art and that's something yeah. people should be bringing yeah. back. Yeah, that's a really big theme with us, uh, these lacto-fermented foods like sauerkraut. Um, a good example from the South Seas is poi, the lacto-fermented taro. And all traditional cultures had lacto-fermented foods uh, eaten in small amounts like condiments. And these foods provided the intestinal tract with good bacteria and enzymes and for keeping our digestion healthy. Yeah. 
Um, why is organ meat such a valuable food as well as um, your bone broths and getting back to those sorts of foods? Well, organ meats are 10 to 100 times more nutrient-dense than meat. So it is you get that nutrient density by including organ meats in your diet as much as you can. And I, I know this is hard for people today because we are not used to these, but everyone can get used to a good pate, you know, duck liver, chicken liver pate. Uh, one of my favorite organ meats is bone marrow, which is a delicious when it's fixed properly. So there are definitely uh, some ways to include organ meats in the diet. The steak and kidney pie, of course, is a, is a familiar one to you. Uh, you also mentioned bone broth. This is another theme that we find the world over. Anywhere they cook, they cook bones and make a broth and use that in soups and stews, gravies and sauces. And we've done a lot of work on the health-giving properties of gelatinous or gelatin-rich bone broth. Uh, it's very healing to the digestive tract, helps us digest our food, helps heal uh, bones and joints. And we even have uh, some new information indicating that the glycine, which is the major amino acid in broth, is important for mental health. So there's a lot of reasons why we need to be making chicken broth the way our grandmothers did. Yeah, no, definitely. I love my bone broth each day. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've also talked about cod liver oil. Um, there's... The, I mean, there's the fermented cod liver oil, but then there's also the um, butter oil blends that you can get as well. Why is this such a good um, food source? Not not so much a supplement, but food source. Okay, yeah, we call these foods not vitamins. So yeah. Dr. Price uh, treated people with a combination of what he called high vitamin butter oil and high vitamin cod liver oil. And after he retired, these products disappeared. We couldn't find them anymore. We could get cod liver oil from uh, Europe, but it was highly processed, highly heated, and was not what we call high vitamin cod liver oil. Well, fortunately, we have a guy in the United States who started producing these products again. And the cod liver oil is actually fermented. It's made the old-fashioned way. And I just want to give you an example here. Someone sent me some photographs from the South Seas. I'm not sure which island it was, but they went out hunting. They caught sharks, and they came back, and they took the stomach out of the shark and put the liver inside the stomach and hung it up in the trees and allowed it to ferment, and the fermented liver oil comes out of the thing that they're hanging up there <laughs> so this and this was highly prized for having healthy babies for fertility mm-hmm. so uh, that's what we recommend there are distributors in new zealand if you go to westonaprice.org you will um, find this just click on that link to cod liver oil on the home page yeah um, you've also talked, I've heard you talk um, about a pulse test that you can use for um, food intolerances. Could you explain this? Yeah, this is in my book, Nourishing Traditions. Uh, it's a very non-invasive and absolutely free way of, um, of determining your food allergies, food intolerances. So let's just say you suspect that you are allergic to wheat okay so you go off of wheat for uh, a while maybe a week 
and then as your only food, you eat some wheat. And you take your pulse before and after eating the wheat. And if it goes up, that tells you that there's a problem there with the wheat. It's a very easy. Yeah. Yeah. Very easy to do. Yeah. How much would it go up by with a, something like that? Well, let's just say your pulse is 72, which is normal. It might go up to 80 or 90, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so um, just going back to the study of um, Dr. Price, and there was, he studied the different traditional diets. What um, would you say, just to summarize, would be the main similarities with all of those diets? You've, you've talked about the Māori in New Zealand, but what would it yeah. be? Well, the main similarity that he found was very high levels of minerals and vitamins A, D, and K, what we call the fat-soluble activators. And these were in the nutrient-dense foods that they particularly prized for preconception, pregnancy, lactation, and growing children. So these would be foods like liver, fish eggs, fish livers, fish liver oils, um, eggs, and uh, butter fat from grass-fed animals. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's quite, um, yeah, and it's, it's really important to notice that it is different all around the world, but there is just the same kind of um, yeah. background to them all, isn't it? Right. For example, the people he studied in Switzerland, they had a, their diet was based on uh, dairy foods, grass-fed dairy foods, and sourdough rye bread. And their sacred food that they considered very important for pregnant women was a special type of butter that came from the cows when they first went to pasture in the spring. It was extremely high in vitamins A, D, and K, and the fat-soluble vitamins, this butter. Now, obviously, the Eskimos didn't have butter. Uh, but they prized foods like salmon eggs and um, fish livers, uh, foods like that. Yeah. So there were sources of these vitamins in, you know, from different foods depending on where you were in the world. Now, in the West, I think most people would prefer to get these fat-soluble vitamins from foods like eggs and butter from grass-fed animals. Uh, these are the foods that we appreciate and enjoy. Yeah, but of course we've been told that these are bad for us, and that we should be eating margarine and breakfast cereals instead. Yeah. <laughs> so all, all they're phony. They're all fake foods. They're phony foods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so just to kind of summarize, what would you be your take-home message for people about their nutrition? Well, I would say if your grand, uh, I won't say grandparents because. Even in our grandparents' day, they were things were changing. I would say eat the way your great grandparents or your great great grandparents ate, and it is really easy to have a nutrient dense diet in New Zealand. You've got the best butter in the world, and you have your beautiful shellfish. And so, for New Zealanders, I would say do those two things: lots of shellfish and lots of good grass fed New Zealand butter. Yeah. Okay, so how do people find out more about you, and where could they purchase your books and things from? Okay. Well, first, the first website I send them to is the Weston A. Price Foundation, WestonAPrice.org. They can also go to my website, NewTrendsPublishing.com. That's N-E-W-T-R-E-N-D-S Publishing.com. And you'll find my book, Nourishing Traditions, and the other books that I publish uh, right there. And what are your other books that you have? Well, I've published a book on raw milk called The Untold Story of Milk. I've published a book on the dangers of soy. 
uh, how toxic this plant really is. I've published a book called The Fourfold Path to Healing, which combines the nourishing traditional diet with herbs, homeopathy, and other holistic uh, methods for treating various diseases. Okay. Any final words of wisdom you have for well, us? Well, thank you for having me. And I, my final word of wisdom would be go to our website, westonaprice.org, and on the right is this thing that says Find Local Chapter. Click on that. It takes a minute for that to load, uh, but then find your closest New Zealand chapter and get in touch with them because each chapter keeps a food resource list where and can help you find the kinds of foods that we're talking about, including raw milk in New Zealand. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. It is such a privilege and I just love to be able, it was love, great to be able to ask all of these questions. Fantastic. Thank you, Nicola. Right.